I often talk about suicide like it's a statistic. The fact that it was the leading cause of death for teenage boys in Canada in 2018, or that rates of suicide attempts are as high as 78% among trans youth who have experienced sexual assault at school. The fact that 70% of mental health problems have their onset during childhood or adolescence. These numbers are a reality, but the reality for me is that suicide is a really personal thing that these numbers don't touch. And as I was talking to a kid last week, I told myself if I could record something to help with suicide prevention, I would. This isn't a podcast episode, really. It's a message for suicidal youth, and it's not perfect. It's not totally polished, but it is me speaking from the heart. Over the next little bit, I'm going to tackle three beliefs. And maybe they're beliefs that you're struggling with. Maybe they're beliefs that you've heard of that you're trying to better respond to. Um, or gain empathy for. Before I start, just a trigger warning that this is about suicide and self-harm, and if those are not things that you want to or are able to listen to right now, then um, send, send, send you my love and uh, better skip this. The first one is that your loved ones would be better off without you. I don't know if that's really the right way to put it, but the idea that you specifically you, impact the people around you in a negative way, that you drag them down, that you waste their time, or at least the belief that they would move on after you died. It's really difficult to put into words the impact of losing someone to suicide. I remember hearing someone talk about it like it was ripples on water, and to me it's like shattered glass. Maybe that's the reason I so often talk about statistics instead of stories, because those stories are as sharp as they were when they happened. So let me leave it uh, with this. When a 12-year-old kid that I knew died by suicide, I spent three weeks trying to keep myself and others afloat. And at the end of those three weeks, I wrote this uh, message to a bunch of youth that I knew. If you die, you'll shatter people. I know because I've experienced it firsthand. Sure, there are people that won't care and some people who will be sad but will get over it. But there are some people whose lives will never, ever be the same. There are people who will carry the pain, the guilt, the loss with them for as long as they live. You won't leave behind a simpler world or a better world. You will break that world into a hundred pieces and lots of those pieces will never be whole again. Ever. There are people that care about you. There are people that would lose you. I know you might not think that applies to you. My friend didn't either. And we're shattered. Call a hotline. Text a friend. Smash your room to pieces. I don't care what you have to do. Just don't give up. The second belief is that you should give up. And the phrase giving up has an interesting position to me, like, who are you giving something to? Where are you giving it? It has a sense of drowning to me. There's exhaustion there, and there's also a lot of fear. So this is from some blog that I read so long ago I can't find it again when I was first learning about suicide. The idea that if you are ready to give up your life, I mean really ready to give up everything that you have ever been and could ever be, why not just give up your fear? Stop being afraid of your parents or the prospect of therapy or an inpatient program. Stop being afraid that life could go on because life could be different if you had 
access to support and resources to help you manage your mental health. I guess by giving up your fear, what I'm talking about is courage. And something that's cool about courage is that to make lasting change, you don't need to be courageous for very long. Some movie that I watched on an airplane once said, all you need is 20 seconds. And honestly, probably less than that. To say, mom, can I talk to you about something serious? Or to hang out after class with your favorite teacher or to click send on a text. All it takes is a few seconds where you let go of your fear. And I know this is like the definition of easier said than done, but that lesson has stayed with me for a long time. If you're willing to give up everything, why not give up your fear? The third belief is that you're alone. Mental illness can do a lot of things, but in my opinion, one of the cruelest is tricking you into thinking that you've got to be by yourself. And I mean, that also has to do with societal stigma about mental health and beliefs about how to be a man. It has to do with reading or misreading the responses of your friends or your family. And it also has to do with your life. Like, I guess there are times when you are more alone than others. And those are the times that I want to remind you that you can reach out. You're never as alone as you think you are. And to sort of help you remember that, this is a poem that I wrote for a young person in 2016 after spending an entire night with him. It's a poem that's been to hospitals and Instagram calls, but I've never shared it publicly. And I guess I still don't really consider this public. This is between me and you. It's called Things to Say Before Dawn. In my world, scars come from injuries. Injuries are accidents and accidents are stories. So my body is a book with chapters dedicated to my bike or my skateboard, but I've never meant to hurt myself and the scars are always fading. Your body is a landscape. Scars lie side by side like topographic lines where altitude equals fear, and fear doesn't fade in the same way. It comes back with every storm when you carve river valleys into your wrist like rain on the desert. You have the Grand Canyon aching under a bandage. And I don't mean to make it sound like a beautiful process. It's not. But it might be a natural process because getting help is hard and there's something safe in automatic responses. Your brain will always release endorphins and your blood will always clot. It sounds dumb to say, but your body does not want you to die. Let's file this under things to say before dawn. The blade is always sharpest when it touches your skin, but your body will always try to heal itself. The night is always darkest when you wake up alone, but it always gets lighter. The sun rises 270 minutes after 3 a.m. That's 269 minutes from when I started this poem, and the point is the red line ace up your sleeve isn't your only option. You're gambling a dangerous hand, counting on blood to trump thoughts, believing you need to be silent to be strong. If a kid cries and no one hears him, did he still cry? Things to say before dawn. There is no strong or weak. There is alive and not alive, and I want you any way that you are. Things to say before dawn. You are not broken, and even if you were, the way to treat a fracture is to hold it close and hold it tight. Things to say before dawn. I am here for you, and that's really what I mean to say. There is someone there for you. And sometimes your room seems like the loneliest place on earth, but if you've read any French literature, you know that a prince can be found in the desert. Let me put it like this. If your wrist bleeds and no one sees, does it still hurt? Of course. You're better off with love. 268 minutes. Go to breakingtheboycode.com slash suicide or DM me on social media at boypodcast if there's anything I can do to support. 
Normally, I use this space to encourage parents to have a meaningful conversation. Today, I'll just tell you that you are loved. Thank you.